0: God bless you as you listen.
1: Just pray in the spirit for a little bit. Pray in the spirit for a little bit. Kabrode Yadabara Maso de Nebi. Kabayama de Yadababa sama debe. Lift your hands Baba, the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
2: Who is like you, Lord, in all the earth. Much less love and beauty, endless worth. Mmm. Nothing in this world can satisfy. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Sing with me. Who who is like you, Lord, in all the air? Much less love and beauty. Matchless love and beauty, endless word. word. Sing, nothing in this world, nothing nothing in this world can satisfy. Because, Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Jesus, Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Everybody sing, your presence, your Your presence presence is is heaven. To me. to me, hallelujah, hallelujah, oh, yes. your, presence your presence is heaven to me, Is, is heaven, heaven to me. me, treasure of my heart. Treasure of, of my heart, heart and not my, my soul. In my weakness, you were merciful. Oh, merciful. yes, you were. You're the redeemer of my past and present redeemer wrong. of my past and present wrong. Holder of my future days to come. Sing it again, treasure of my heart and treasure of my soul. Treasure, treasure of, my of my heart and of my soul. In my weakness, Lord, you are in, in my weakness, you are merciful. You're the redeemer of my past and present. My oh, yes, you are. You're the holder of my future days to come future is to come, we we'll sing your presence Lord, your, your presence, presence is heaven is to heaven me, heaven yes it is, to me. to me, nothing like your presence Lord, your presence, your, your presence, presence is heaven is to he- me, Oh, yes, to, to me. me. To One more time, your presence. Jesus, your presence. Your presence. It's heaven to is me. Heaven hallelujah, hallelujah to, to me. me. Nothing like your presence. Nothing like your presence, Lord. Your presence. Your presence. It's heaven to me yes, heaven Oh yes To me To me, me To me, to me, me. To me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh Jesus Sing oh Jesus Oh Jesus Your presence is heaven to me your, Your presence, presence is, is heaven, heaven to me. Jesus. Oh, Jesus You're the sweet rose of sorrow oh, You're the Jesus. lily of the valley Your presence is heaven to me Your presence, Your presence is, is heaven Jesus you're the answer for the world Oh, oh Jesus. Jesus Great oh, Redeemer Jesus. Great Savior your presence is heaven. Your presence is. one more time, Jesus. Oh, name above all names, the sweetest name I know. Your presence is heaven. Your presence, sing again. Your presence is heaven. Your presence one more time. Your presence. Your presence is heaven to me.
3: Treasure of our hearts, treasure of our souls, we bless you today. Thank you for your presence and what it symbolizes to us. Your presence indeed is heaven to us. And tonight, right in your presence... Let wonderful things happen in our care. To everyone watching, to everyone listening, let every life be imparted. These are times of impartation. And may we not live here the same. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. Would you mind putting your hands together for Jesus? God bless you and you may be seated. Hallelujah. I want us to move on in our study about the parables of Jesus. And tonight I'm going to start sharing with you about two parables. Now I've joined them together because they are very short ones. Short though they are, but very loaded. And there are a lot of great things to pick up from them. And so tonight, I'm going to share with you about the parables of the hidden treasure and pearl of great prize. So the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great prize. The parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great prize. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles with me to the gospel according to Saint Matthew. Chapter 13. And reading from verse 44. Matthew 13, reading from verse 44 to verse 46. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Hallelujah. I have told you before, and I'm mentioning it again, that Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher who ever lived. Amen. And he was a teacher who knew exactly what he wanted to teach. He was not confused. Now, I have had teachers in my life who were obviously confused as they were teaching us. And it was clear that they didn't really understand what they were talking about. I have been in classes where students rose up to challenge the teacher. And there are some lecturers I had in the university who left us more confused <laughs> than when they didn't teach us anything. In my class, the electrical engineering class of '93, why? I am an old man. But the Lord has renewed my youthfulness. We were blessed to have one of our mates who was super intelligent. And he seemed to understand more than some of our lecturers. In fact, he was the one who helped us, the rest of the class, to understand some of the topics that the lecturers who were supposed to teach us struggled with. So there are some teachers, they leave you totally confused. And the subjects that you struggled with in school, one of the reasons, possible reasons, is that you had a lousy teacher. All right? Now, Jesus Christ was not confused. And he knew and understood clearly what he wanted to teach. And his intention was that when he taught, everybody would understand what he's saying. That is, if it is for you to understand. There are some teachers who set out to confuse you. The students. Because it's like, if you understand what I understand, what makes me superior to you? And so, it's... it's, I mean, it's amazing if you take a subject like math, all right? Math has to do with a lot of formulas or formulae. And there are ways of working things out. And there are simpler ways of doing things. But if you encounter a math teacher whose aim is to confuse you, Instead of showing you the simpler routes to solving questions, he will bring you something so complicated that at the end of the day you are confused and you can also see that he himself is confused. And if you're in school, may God deliver you from such a teacher. In the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ wanted us to understand him, and that is why he taught in the way he taught. And one of the significant things we notice about the teachings of Jesus, one of the notable things about his teaching was that he taught many times using parables. Everybody say parables. Now, a parable is like an illustration or if you like a word picture that is used to illuminate a profound spiritual lesson. To put it simply, It's an illustration that is supposed to help you understand whatever truth is being presented to you. So, through the parables, you begin to understand better what is being taught or the lesson being imparted. And I have just read to you two parables that Jesus shared. The parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. He started off by... Narrating how a certain gentleman discovered a great treasure in a field. Now, I suppose that he was somebody who was employed by the owner of the field to work there. So maybe we're looking at a farm, a farmland that had to be plowed. And this guy had been employed, I suppose, to plow that piece of land. Can I have an amen? Now, as he was plowing, he noticed that there was something sticking out of the ground. And he stopped, perhaps, and went to check it out. He dug it out and... Maybe he discovered that it was a box, a treasure box. And when he opened it, he said to himself, wow, what is this that I have found? Beautiful precious stones of different colors, perhaps, shining brightly in the box. Big ones and small ones. Emitting light that was dazzling to the eyes. He became excited. He was filled with joy. And what he did. He looked left. And he looked right. And he quickly reburied the treasure box. And then he went away. Then what did he go and do? He went to sell everything that he owned. His mattress, his puto his fridge, his radio, his carpet, his shirts, his st- he sold everything that he owned. And before he went to sell his things, he went to see the owner of the land and said to him, say, I want to buy your land. (laughs) I want to buy your land. How much will you sell it to me for? The owner was surprised. So why do you want to buy my land? I I I want to buy the land. Because I I want to move into uh, cassava (laughs) farming. And I can see that you have a lot of other lands. But I want to buy this one. So, the owner gave him a price. He didn't have the money for it. And that's how come he went to sell everything that he had to get enough money to buy the field. You may ask yourself a few questions. That is this guy not a thief? Now, it is logical to conclude that the treasure did not belong to the owner of the land. Because if it did, he would have known that there was treasure there and he wouldn't have sold it to the guy. Does it make sense? So what it tells us is that the treasure did not belong to him. And in those times, they had a certain policy at work, which is a policy of finders keepers. And if you find something of value, out there in the open, it doesn't even matter if the land belongs to somebody else. Once that thing of value is not within a certain space of the owner's house, maybe within his walls, inside his yard the one who finds it is the one who keeps it. So this guy was not a thief. He found something of great value and to possess it he bought that piece of land. That is the first parable that Jesus shared and this is the parable of the hidden treasure. Can I have an amen? Then the second parable is the parable of the pearl of great price A pearl is a precious stone. And in Jesus' time, pearls were like diamonds. Very precious. Very expensive. And they come in different sizes. And there are many pearls that were found at the bottom of the seabed. And to get those spells, sometimes people had to put their lives under risk. Because they have to go to the bottom of the seabed to search for these spells. And in those times, they didn't have diving equipment and all those things. So what they used to do then was that in order to be able to sink to the bottom, they would tie a heavy stone to their legs. And then they would go down. And then when they go, so they'll take a deep breath. And something like that is not for people like us. Because a long way down. And how long can you hold your breath for? You know? It's a wonderful thing. When I see people doing all those things, I admire it. But I know clearly that it's not my calling. My calling is to preach the word of God. And I'll stick with my calling. Somebody say, pastor, stick with your calling. Thank you very much. I will. And I will never be a diver till Jesus comes. Hallelujah. So they go down and then they search. Then they bring this. And sometimes they die in the process. But it is because of something they are looking for. That is why they put their lives under such risk. So pearls were very precious. And in this second parable, Jesus talks about a merchant or a trader. Or a businessman whose business was to deal in pearls. And so he was always on the lookout for choice pearls or precious pearls or valuable pearls. Now Jesus says that this merchant, next verse, verse 46. Verse 46, please. Oh dear, you make my preaching difficult sometimes. It says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value. So he was looking for it. He was looking for Now, notice that in the first parable, the guy was not looking for treasure. It's important to take note of that. And I will I will talk and elaborate a bit more on that as we proceed. He wasn't looking for it, but in this particular case, this guy, this merchant, was on the lookout for choice pearls, and he found one. And Jesus said, when he found it, he sold everything he owned: his microwave, his dishwasher, his blender. Rice cooker, sandwich maker, washing machine, his fan, his shoes. He sold everything he owned and he bought it. Hallelujah. So these are the two parables. Now, what is the central decisive point of these parables? And there's a reason why I've joined them together because. They, they carry the same central decisive point. It is this. Receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. Write it down. Receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. And having the privilege to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And having the privilege to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Is the most valuable thing we could ever have. Is the most valuable thing we could ever have. Should I start or I should continue? The central decisive point of these parables is this. Receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, do you have that? And having the privilege to be part of the kingdom of heaven, you got that? Is the most valuable thing we could ever have. Is the most valuable thing we could ever have. And the last part. And we must be prepared to pay any price not to lose it. And we must be prepared to pay any price not to lose it. If you take your time and write these things down, you find out that it is not difficult to understand. Receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior And having the privilege to be part of the kingdom of heaven is the most valuable thing we could ever have. And we must be prepared to pay any price not to lose it. What is the central decisive point of these parables again? Ready? Go. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: hmm hmm
3: Hallelujah. Did you all read? Let's read it one more time. Ready? Go. Receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior and having the privilege to be part of the kingdom of heaven is the most valuable thing We could ever have and we must be prepared to pay any price not to lose it. So that is the key note of these two parables. That when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, which is equal to being what? Saved or which is equal to being born again. Gives you the privilege to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And by these parables, Jesus was showing us and revealing to us and was illustrating to us that that thing called salvation being born again, knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior, being redeemed. Having your name written in the Lamb's book of life is the most valuable thing you have in your life. And therefore, you must be prepared to pay any price and do whatever you have to do to make sure that you don't lose it. Hallelujah. Is it easy to understand? All right, now let's dissect these parables a bit more. So there are a number of important truths that we can learn from this parable about the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say the kingdom of heaven. Because notice that in these parables, Jesus was trying to help us to understand what the kingdom of heaven is. Amen. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is an expression we find in Jesus' parables. That's the first thing I want you to write down. The kingdom of heaven is an expression that we find in the parables of Jesus. So Jesus is the one who spoke the most about the kingdom of heaven. And we find him talking about the kingdom of heaven in the parables that he gave. And in the gospel of Matthew, we find it 31 times. 31 times in the gospel according to St. Matthew alone, we find this expression, the kingdom of heaven. And it will interest you to note that apart from Matthew... There was no other writer of the Gospels who spoke or who mentioned specifically the kingdom of heaven. Only Matthew. And there's a reason for it. The reason was because Matthew, when he was writing his Gospel, was thinking more of his Jewish readers. And the thing with the Jews is that they don't like to mention God by heart. There's a certain reverence they have For God and for the names of God. And Matthew knew that. So rather than having to mention the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, he chose to call it the kingdom of heaven. And it was because of the audience that he was addressing. Hallelujah. The second point is that it is that is the kingdom of heaven is basically the same as the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven is basically the same as the kingdom of God and the other gospel writers refer to it as the kingdom of God so Mark Luke and John referred to it as the kingdom of God it is only Matthew who referred to it as the kingdom of heaven hallelujah all right so that's two points Point number three. So now what is this kingdom of heaven? Or what is this kingdom of God? The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is the realm of the space over which Christ himself is the king of kings and the lord of lords. The kingdom of heaven is the realm. R-E-A-L-M. Realm. Realm means Space. The kingdom of heaven is the realm over which Christ himself is the king of kings and lord of lords. Every king, every chief, every president, every prime minister has a setting space that he is king or lord over. And so, if you take the queen of England who just died, who was buried on Monday, she had a realm that she ruled over or had a certain kind of authority over. Great Britain, Northern Ireland, and then Commonwealth nations. So there is a league of nations or a confederation of nations called the Commonwealth. Ghana belongs to the Commonwealth and Ghana is the first Commonwealth nation there was. A clap for Ghana. <laughs> That's why we are too known like that, do you see? So, the Queen of England has these places I've mentioned and these countries that I've mentioned as the realm that she had a certain jurisdiction over, had a certain control over, had a certain influence over. So, every king, every queen, every president, every prime minister. So, if you take our president, Nana Akufu Adu. All right. he has a realm that he has rule over. Where is like he's like king and where he's like lord. That realm is a country called Ghana. And when he's addressing us, he refers to us as fellow Ghanaians. So, that is where he rules. That's where he has his control. Now, when we say the kingdom of heaven, we are talking about that realm where Jesus Christ himself is the king of kings or Jesus Christ himself as the king of kings and the lord of lords that realm that he has control over that is what we call the kingdom of heaven or in other places the kingdom of God hallelujah so anytime you hear that expression the kingdom of heaven we are talking about that realm that Jesus has control over I'll explain some more number four when you accept Jesus as lord and savior That means when you become born again. When you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you gain access into this kingdom of heaven. That's how you become part of that kingdom of heaven. When you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you gain access into that kingdom and you become a part of this kingdom. So it is a realm and there are people who reside in that realm and you become a part of that kingdom when you become born again and when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, it gives you access into that kingdom and you become a part of it. How many of you are born again here tonight? What it means is that you have dual citizenship. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And you are also a citizen of the kingdom of Ghana. Of course, when you compare the kingdom of Ghana to the kingdom of heaven, it is absolutely nothing. So as you sit here, you are not an ordinary person. You have dual citizenship. And that's why you shouldn't allow anybody to disrespect you. Maybe when they see you and they are relating with you, they are only relating to you according to your citizenship of the kingdom of Ghana. That's why they don't respect you. But you need to take time sometimes and explain to people. Tell them that, excuse me. You cannot talk to me like that. Do you know that I am also a citizen of the kingdom of heaven where Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he reigns over? Let this be the last time that you disrespect me. I'm giving you something to use to gain some points of respect. Hallelujah. So you become part of the kingdom of heaven when you become born again. And when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Are you being blessed? And are you understanding the kingdom of heaven? Number five. At present, this kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. At present, as we speak, this kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Or it's a spiritual dominion. It is not an earthly realm. It's not a geopolitical realm. It's not a geographical location. It is not a political realm. It is a spiritual kingdom or a spiritual dominion. And it is not visible. So at present, the kingdom of heaven is a spiritual dominion. That is where you and I are concerned actually. It is a spiritual dominion, not an earthly realm, and it is not visible. It is hidden, and it has to be sought. Amen. At present, the kingdom of heaven is a spiritual kingdom or a spiritual dominion, not an earthly or geopolitical realm. Which means that it is not visible. It is hidden. You will notice in the parables that in the first one, the parable of the hidden treasure, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So the kingdom is hidden. It's not visible. You don't find treasure just lying on the ground. Treasures are hidden treasures are hidden and that's how the kingdom of heaven is it is hidden it is not visible and then in the second parable the parable of the pearl of great prize he described how this merchant was on the lookout for choice pearls. it means that he was looking for them he was seeking for them and he found one of great price so it means that it's not something that you just find lying around it's special. And you have to seek in order to find it. That is how the kingdom of heaven is like. It is not a visible kingdom at all. It is hidden and it's a kingdom that we must seek after. And it's a spiritual kingdom. That is the reason why people find it difficult to relate with the kingdom of heaven. And with everything to do with that kingdom. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. Next verse. It is not that we think we are qualified. Where are we? No, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 to 4. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is done what? Hidden. If the good news we preach is hidden, it means that it's not visible. If it is hidden behind a veil, and of course, it's talking about the good news of the kingdom of heaven. If it it is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. The way you assess the kingdom is by believing. And Satan doesn't want the kingdom to be visible to people. And so he blinds them so that they will not believe. And it continues, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Now, when we talk about the glory of Christ, we are talking also about the kingdom where he reigns. And the Bible is saying that there are people who cannot relate with the kingdom of heaven. And they cannot relate with the good news of this kingdom because they have been blinded. Who has blinded them? It is Satan. Why has he blinded them? Because he doesn't want them to see the kingdom and want to enter into it. So, do not be surprised when you encounter people who cannot relate with you when you talk about being born again. When you talk about giving your life to Jesus. Look, there are people who find us very queer. So, my daughter's from greenhouse and all there are some of your friends they think that there's something very wrong with you that you are not normal you are not normal because maybe you've been working all day you got back from work Give to what time do you close 5 did you have a very tiring day at work you didn't have a very tiring day all right good we thank God. it means I didn't work hard. If you worked very hard, you'd have been tired. So, you are very suspect. Do you see? But normally, on a normal working day, you are very tired when you close. And when you get home, or you get to your room, the only thing you are thinking of is to get something to eat. And then take a shower, if you usually bath in the evenings. And then Sleep. That's the only thing you are thinking about. Especially when you think about the fact that the following day you have to go back to work. That's what normal people do. And so when somebody like you, after a tiring day's work, you get to your room, and you are not thinking of just getting something to eat and then retire for the evening, but you are actually coming to church. How did you come tonight? Did the bus come and get you? The bus came to get you. But there are times when you walk. Is that not so? And when you walk from the place here, it takes about how many minutes? Maybe 15 minutes. All right. Eunice, how long does it take you to get to church when you walk? About 20 minutes. About 20 minutes. All right. And then you walk through the dark. The whole country lies in darkness. To, and When they ask you where are you going, he said that I'm going to church. You're going to church. Why are you going to why don't you just go to church on Sundays and for why are you walking through the dark? It's dangerous. You can step on a scorpion, you can step on a on, on a snake. Why are you going to church? Look, you you are very odd to those whom the God of this world has blinded such that the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ does not shine into them. They can't relate with you. They can't relate with you that you don't want to do certain things. They can't relate with you that you feel bad when you do certain things. They can't relate with you. And you don't blame them because they cannot relate with the kingdom of heaven. It is not a visible kingdom that you see with your physical eyes, at least not at this point. And that's why I'm explaining to you that at present... This kingdom is a spiritual kingdom or dominion, not an earthly one. And it is not visible. Hallelujah. Number six, when Jesus returns bodily, which is the second coming. When Jesus returns bodily, this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, will now become earthly and physical. When Jesus returns bodily, what we call the second coming of Christ, this kingdom of heaven will become earthly and physical. It will become what? Earthly and physical. But for now, it is not visible. It is spiritual. But when Jesus comes again bodily the second time, and let me explain to you that Jesus will come again. Now, what the church is awaiting, what believers are waiting for at this time is what we call the rapture. Everybody say the rapture. Now, with the rapture, what is going to come, what's going to happen is that when God decides that it is time and that time, Even Jesus, the son of God, doesn't know. It is only the father who knows that time. But when that time comes and God says it is time. Something very supernatural is going to occur which we call the rapture. And what is going to happen is that on that day. There will be what's gonna happen on that day is that people who are dead and they died in the Lord, they will so initially what's gonna happen. There will be a trumpet call, the sound of a trumpet. Not everybody will hear it. Because it's not meant for everybody. It is a trumpet call for believers. And it's a trumpet call for two categories of believers. Believers who are dead. Or whose bodies have been buried. And then. So what's going to happen is that when that trumpet call sounds. Those who are dead in Christ. Their bodies will resurrect. From their graves. No matter where their graves are. It's not even a problem if you were uh, uh, cremated. It's not even a problem. Wherever they spread your ashes, don't worry. Wherever your ashes are, they will find their way and come together. Everybody say, it's a miracle. Yes. And it shouldn't surprise you because God made us out of dust, out of nothing. So it's not, possible for, it's not impossible for our bodies to form again. But these bodies will not be the normal bodies. They will be glorified bodies, which is the kind of body that Jesus has now. It's a glorified body. And it is not flesh and blood. It is flesh and bones and It's a glorified body that, that can appear and disappear, your friend. So it can move through a, a wall. How many will like such power? You see your ways, you see your ways, you see your ways. You yeah, that's a glorified body. That's the kind of body that Jesus has now. And when the rapture occurs and the trumpet is sounded. Those who are dead in Christ. So what's going to happen is that their bodies will come out. And their spirits which is in heaven will come back into their body. So when you die, your spirit goes to a a waiting place called paradise in heaven. You go and wait there. So it's a section of heaven. And it's a very beautiful place. I haven't gone there before but I I hear that it's, it's beautiful. Based on what the Bible tells me. Do you have a problem if I tell you that it's a beautiful place? Don't say where did you go there? I haven't been there but that's where I'm expecting to go and we'll all be there by the grace of God. So their spirits will come back into this body and then those of us who are still alive, believers who are still alive we will also receive our glorified bodies. And, together with those who were dead in Christ, we will begin to rise. You will fly. Tell your neighbor, I believe I can fly. You have been looking for an opportunity to fly. By the grace of God, you will fly one day. On the day of rapture, you will fly. begin. will be, we'll come up. So, the dead in, in Christ... And then those who are alive, together we will meet with the Lord in the air. But it will not be visible to everybody else. Unbelievers will not hear the trumpet. They will not see any of these things happening. They will wake up and realize that people are lost. So there are husbands who won't find their wives. (laughs) There are wives who won't find their husbands. There are children who won't find their parents. There are parents who won't find their children. And it's been said that pray that on that day you are not flying in a plane that is being piloted by a Christian. Because that day, I promise you, you will have to fly that plane and land it. (laughs) So, if you are not serious about Jesus, you are not sure about these things, go and watch all the films where they show planes that maybe the pilot was killed and what the people did to land the plane. Learn it well. Because on that day, you'll be forced to land a plane. It's going to be an astonishing event the whole world will wake up and discover that people have disappeared. That is what we call the rapture. But after the rapture, there's going to be a period of what we call tribulation. It's going to be a period of seven years. And during that period, it will be very difficult to be a Christian. That is when the world is going to be ruled and controlled By a certain wicked man called the Antichrist. Full of the devil, demons and evil spirits. is going to rule the whole world. And during that time, if you profess Christ as Lord and Savior, you've signed your death warrant. It's going to be a period of seven years. After that period, Jesus Christ will come again bodily and that's what we call the second coming of Christ. And that one everybody else left on the earth will see him. And it will be primarily unbelievers and those who've rejected Christ. So that's the second coming of Christ. And when he comes, he's coming to establish his kingdom here on earth. He's going to take control Over the earth space. And he's going to rule on the earth. For a period of thousand years. And during that thousand years. The devil will be bound. Demons will be bound. Evil spirits will be bound. They won't be around. And then after a thousand years. They'll be released. Yes. And then now. They will try to cause commotion. And there will be a final battle. And then the devil will finally be banished to hell forever. All right. So this is just a little summary of what will happen. One of these days I'm going to take you into details. Take out the scriptures and then show you. Teach you about the rapture. Teach you about the second coming of Christ. Teach you about the kingdom of heaven into details and all of that. So I just went through this to explain to you that. This kingdom of heaven which I've said to you that for the moment... Is a spiritual dominion or kingdom. When Jesus returns bodily, which is during the second coming of Christ, that kingdom of heaven will become earthly and will become physical. Hallelujah. Oh, may we be a part of this kingdom of heaven. And may we not lose our place. In the name of Jesus. Let's read our last scripture. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 and we close. Philippians three twenty. It says, but we are citizens of heaven. Everybody say, I am a citizen of heaven. Say it again. I'm a citizen of heaven. The Bible says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. That's where he is now. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. That is the second coming. Last scripture, Revelation 11:15 Revelation 11:15 Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever So when that happens then the kingdom of heaven will now become physical, will become very visible and will become earthly. So that's when we say that the kingdom has actually come. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray. In the Lord's prayer, he said we should pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer that he said we should pray is for this thing that I've just described to happen. Hallelujah. Next week, I'm going to continue and it's, imp- it's important that I share these things with you so that you understand what the kingdom of heaven is. And then next week we will bring this teaching to a close and then I will go into details about the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. Rise to your feet and let us close and clap your hands together for Jesus and bless his name for tonight. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, for tonight and for the word that we've just received. I pray, as usual, that your Holy Spirit will be our helper. That the Holy Spirit will reveal more things unto us. I pray that as we go back, may we have a desire to search the scriptures for ourselves. To run through the scriptures that have been shared today. To be sure that these things that we have heard are truly so. After the manner of the believers in Berea. I thank you for tonight's word. And thank you for the privilege we have to be part of the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus mighty name. And let everybody say amen.